to episode 67 of the Online Chicken School podcast. Today we're asking the question, can chickens on medicated feed still get coccidiosis? It's time for the Online Chicken School podcast. Whether you've been keeping chickens for years or you're just fixing to get started, we'll help you get your schooling. And now, here's the chicken tenders, Don and Susie. Hello, I'm Don, the big chicken tender. And I'm Susie, the little chicken tender. If you're interested in backyard chickens, you're in the right place. It doesn't matter if you have a whole lot of chickens out in the country or just a few somewhere in the city. This is where we share our knowledge, experience, and opinions to help you get the most out of your backyard flock. Well, guess what? Tell me. It's springtime almost. And I don't know, I... Last week, all of a sudden, had the itching to hatch some eggs. Yeah, we've taken about nine months off from hatching eggs. When we got to the end of last spring, we just kind of hit a wall with it and said, you know, I think we need some time off. Yeah, it it just got exhausting and it was just a little too much. Uh, We made a lot of changes last year. Yeah. Kind of pared down the flock quite a bit. Well, a lot of them were tied into that whole allergy thing. Yeah, and we stopped hatching eggs. But you know what? I think enough time has gone by where I kind of miss it. Well, I didn't get any notice of this until I came (laughs) home from work one day, and then I go in the dining room, and there sitting on the dining room table is the egg turner Yeah, with about mm, about a dozen eggs sitting on it waiting for uh, it's time to go into the incubator. Yeah, it was like, surprise! And you come in the kitchen, you're like, oh, what's going on? I'm like... Oh, by the way, uh, we're going to hatch some eggs out. <laughs> it's pretty much how things happen around here. Yeah. We just all of a sudden have ideas. So I am getting kind of excited about it. We're going to do not a huge batch, but maybe like, I don't know, 20, 30. We'll see how many we get. And then uh, these are going to be the first time that we have tried incubating these two flocks eggs. Hopefully something happens. I would be so disappointed (laughs) if we collect all these eggs, put them in the incubator for 21 days, and then none of them hatch. I always think that, and then they always do, but it's just scary. Incubation brings out your glasses half-empty self. A lot of things bring that out. (laughs) (laughs) Unfortunately, it's my personality, but I'm trying to be a more positive person this year, and so I'm hoping for the best, and then we'll have little baby chicks for a couple days here before we sell them all, and... I'm just excited about doing it again. Okay. Well, speaking of excitement, Uh last weekend, I don't think I sat down for a total of 14 minutes the entire weekend. Okay. Not just the weekend, but like two weeks leading up to the weekend, you were a maniac. Well, I had very good reason. Uh, One of Susie's cousins from up north has recently sort of moved down, what would you say, on a temporary basis? They're doing the snowbird thing. Doing the snowbird thing. Her husband started a... A branch of his business down here they have one up in indiana and so he's gonna you know when up north you can't work in the winter in his line of work he's gonna come down here and work so it's yeah kind of like a snowbird it's kind of cool because they're only like maybe 30 who who's a snowbird at 30 that's kind of neat yeah usually that's reserved for the more silver population <laughs> absolutely but uh okay so your and your cousin has how many kids i keep losing track 
five. I thought it was four. And then like the day before, somehow it was up in conversation. I'm like, oh no, there's five. <laughs> well, that's right. I keep thinking five. And then every time I tell somebody and like, and her cousin came over with their five kids, I keep saying, no, there can't be five. That's yeah. impossible. Yeah. They're an awesome little family. I love it. Well, they're all homeschooled. Mm-hmm. And you can sort of tell because it's like not, you know, every time you see them, it's not just here's our family, but it's also like a school field trip. <laughs> yeah. Everything's educational, which is she was homeschooled, my cousin. And I mean, fantastic mom. You've got to be a fantastic mom to homeschool. She had three other siblings and now she's homeschooling five children. You gotta be like a super mom and just the smartest, most polite children. The moment that really dawned on me, you just noticed that they're very polite, but the moment it dawned on me was the two-year-old. And of course, two-year-olds are kind of hard to control. Mm -hmm. They're just all over the place. Right. And this two-year-old wanted some more uh, orange-aid, which is this drink we make from the oranges on our farm here. And he kept pointing to it, and his dad was like, okay, I'll come over in just a second. And I was standing there, so I went to pour it for him. I poured him a little juice. And usually a two-year-old uh, modus operandi is then just run away. Right. You know, I got my juice. I got what I wanted. I'm out of here. He looks up. He goes, thank you. Oh. I'm like, oh, you little bugger. <laughs> you got me. <laughs> Whatever you want, you can have it. <laughs> well, so we had them come over. And then also your sister came over with her kids. So we had 11 guests coming over for the entire Sunday. Yeah. They came over right after church and we're here pretty much till dinner time. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, I had to put out, what, eight, nine different kinds of yard games to keep them entertained. <laughs> it was so funny. It's like, okay, let's just like, we've got trees. They can climb a tree. We got the woods. They can play in the woods. You know, what else do you need? Don's like, no, you don't know. We're going to do horseshoes. Or we're going to do bocce ball. We're going to do ladder ball. Or we're going to do tee ball. Or we're going to do, <laughs> you had like stations set up. I go out there. I'm like, what the heck happened to our backyard? This is awesome. It's like Adventureland for kids. I also set up my own new game I call Redneck Ski Ball. Oh, that was so cool. And that's basically where you take a bunch of different size old tires ranging from ATV tires up to semi-truck tires. Mm -hmm. And you kind of lay them out in a pattern. And I took some spray paint and I painted numbers on them for different point values depending on, you know, the smaller ones are the highest value and the larger ones are the lowest value. And then you take one of those uh, dodge balls, you know, those mm -hmm. general purpose balls, and you stamp back a certain ways and try and rack up points by getting it in the tires. Right. Sounds easy, but the ball bounces off tires pretty <laughs> easily. So it's more challenging than it looks like. Well, and not only did the kids have fun with that, but then all last week, we'd go out there like, <laughs> I'm going to challenge you to a game of redneck ski ball. So <laughs> then you're always like, challenge accepted. And then I like always won. So it was an awesome game. I loved it. Yeah, it worked out. It was a lot of fun. Yeah. It was just really nice. It was a really nice day of having people over and, you know, they were really interested in the chickens. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we went around on the golf cart because also golf cart is a huge draw for kids. Uh, so all the kids were piled on the golf cart and Brooke was telling them all about how she collects eggs when she comes over. So they're like, well, let's do that. There's eggs in there. Like they had so many questions. So we pull up to the first coop, open the door and they're like, oh, there's eggs in there. You know, and they're telling all their brothers and sister, like, there's eggs in here. You're not going to believe it. There's an egg. And Brooke would go in. She'd get it. And they go, what are you going to do with that? I'm like, well, we're going to eat it eventually. They're going to eat the egg. Hey, they're going to eat the egg. <laughs> it's like, how is this shocking news? But it was so new for them. You forget how kids just 
don't these days understand where food comes from. That was kind of fun explaining it to him. But then there was this challenging moment. <sighs> Always. Susie was in charge of the golf cart. And next thing I know, I'm talking to her cousin's husband and then her sister's husband. We're all just standing there talking. And I hear this kind of general ruckus go by on wheels. And I look up and there's nothing but young people in the golf cart. <laughs> Somehow they have commandeered the golf cart and they are on their own, unsupervised. And I have nowhere to be found. <laughs> I'm back in the house. <laughs> so I do a quick scan around the yard to see if Susie fell off at some point and they just kept going. <laughs> Or what happened, and no, it was just another one of Susie's unilateral decisions. I'm just going to let the young people keep the golf cart, drive it around the yard. Well, I figured there were two older kids, and I'm like, okay, now you guys are the ones that drive it, okay? Which I guess was the first mistake. <laughs> well, they did pretty good, but then they got off to do other things, and then the young people would go, oh, the kids are allowed to drive it. Mm -hmm. So the very end of the day, we're talking, and I look up just in time to see this seven-year-old. He goes to take off on the golf cart. It's at a standstill. He goes to take off, doesn't realize that the wheel is cocked over to one side, and then proceeds to drive up the side of one of my chicken coops. I'm so glad I didn't see that. <laughs> I had no idea this was happening. <laughs> now, I have a very low reaction threshold. Like, I take things in and then react. Thank God. My brain just went, huh. That's interesting. Because <laughs> <laughs> our coops are kind of that A-frame style, so they have a little bit of slant. There's no straight up and down wall. It's a 60 degree angle up. And that's all hardware cloth on the side where they ran up the side of it. It's not like it's plywood walls or anything where it's really super strong. Yeah, the part where he hits it, the part where the wheels drove up, were not on the frame, which would have been the most solid part. Mm-hmm. We're not on the actual house part, but it's on the run section. So he's literally driving up the hardware cloth. <laughs> with a golf cart. With a 1,000 pound golf cart. <laughs> his eyes got really big, mm -hmm. took his foot off the accelerator, and it just backed itself back down off onto the ground. And his dad gave him a good yelling at <laughs> <laughs> And I went and looked and it's like, yeah, it stretched the hardware cloth a little bit. But I think there was maybe a, a three-inch tear near where it connects with the uh, fender washers or the screws. When I went and looked at it, I was like, holy cow, he's right. They really did drive up the side. Like, I couldn't believe that there wasn't more damage. So kudos on uh, your building ability because that was pretty amazing. Thanks. I was a little self-impressed there <laughs> because I'm like, wow, I have proven already that these things are wolf-proof, coyote-proof, fox-proof, and pit bull-proof. We learned from a visiting person's pit bull that, mm -hmm. pit, that it's pit bull proof. Yep. Now I know it's golf cart proof. Kudos, babe. So even if a fox goes and takes our golf cart and tries to ram down the coop <laughs> with it, I feel pretty confident that the chickens will be okay. Okay, well, I want to share a review that we got from Chrissy MB7. And Chrissy says, I'm getting ready to start my backyard chicken adventure with my husband and two kids in the spring, and Don and Susie are by far the most entertaining and effective way to learn for me as a busy mom. I love everything about this show. The basics, like excellent sound quality, attention-grabbing format, and relevant and interesting topics, as well as their fun banter, great sense of humor, and overall kind, down-to-earth, drama-free manner. I flew <laughs> through all their episodes and can't wait for more. Thanks, guys. 
Well, Chrissy, MB7, thank you for that nice review. That was really good. But I do have to say this. The only reason you think these episodes are drama-free is because you'd never hear the show prep. <laughs> it gets a little dramatic, we should say. <laughs> the preparation. Feathers fly. <laughs> to tie it in with the chickens. Yes. If we ever recorded that part, I think that would be listed under the horror genre. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but anyway... Thank you for that review. That was very nice. Okay, today we're only covering one topic. So before we get to that, I just want to remind you that if you do any shopping on Amazon this week, consider going to our website first at onlinechickenschool.com and clicking on the Amazon link over there. It'll take you to the same Amazon site that you know and love and you pay the exact same price for the things you buy, but Amazon's gonna give us a little bit of a commission and this really helps us pay the podcasting bills. So if you like the show, you wanna help us keep it up, just go to onlinechickenschool.com and click on the Amazon link to make all your Amazon purchases. Some of you do this on a regular basis and we really love you a lot. There they go again. More shameless self-promotion. All right, so if this is a little bit early to be arriving at the main feature for today's show, that's because today's main feature is a big one. Yeah, a very important one. Let's start off this topic by sharing a question we received from our good listener, Chris. Chris says, my nine-week-old chicks are outside and I noticed blood in the stool today, just one dropping. They're acting fine, but according to advice online, I should treat for coccidiosis. Would you wait to observe them or treat immediately? Also, what do you recommend using? Thanks in advance. Okay, now this is a question we got a while ago. And when we first got this question, it just didn't jump out at us. Uh, okay, we get lots of questions and every once in a while you get a coccidiosis question. But this was followed by question after question after question from different listeners and not just listeners but actually also people who have taken our class before mm -hmm. and they kept coming back to coccidiosis over and over and over again so this started to make us think like what's going on here is there an epidemic of coccidiosis or mm -hmm. why is this issue suddenly coming up so often when honestly i mean we may have had one or two questions in the preceding three or four years yeah yeah it was really crazy and this is a really timely topic because it's springtime. And when you think coccidiosis, you think baby chicks. Uh, so we figured this is a great opportunity to talk about it. And there really are a lot of misconceptions about coccidiosis. All right. So what is coccidiosis? Coccidiosis is a disease of the intestines that's caused by these little parasites that live in the environment called cocci. You know what? This is really going to gross out a germaphobe. So if you're a germaphobe, just want to let you know right now, you're not going to like this episode. This would be a good time to take a Q-tip, coat it with some antibacterial gel, and just like stick it in your ears really good. <laughs> no, don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> It'll cleanse the words as they come through. <laughs> yeah, you're going to be totally grossed out. Because the way the chickens encounter coxie in the environment is a little bit just in the dirt and in the soil. But most of the time, it's through poo. Yeah. If you already have chickens, you understand that separating chickens and poop is a useless enterprise. Mm -hmm. You are never going to completely divorce the two because chickens, the only thing chickens produce more of than eggs is poop. And if there is a piece of poop anywhere in their environment, 
oh, they're going to find it and they're going to walk through it and then they're probably going to eat it. <laughs> yes. You can guarantee that if you have one piece of chicken poop on a one acre piece of property and you send a chicken from one side to the other, they will find a way to incorporate that piece of poop in their travel. Mm-hmm. They will walk through it and or peck at it. Well, the pecking at it is the part we have the biggest problem. Because when they peck at it and consume some of the poop from themselves or another chicken, there are eggs from those coxie living in the poop. So those eggs travel down the, the chicken's digestive tract. And when it gets to the intestines, your chicken does them a big favor and dissolves the egg sack or whatever they're living in to expose the new baby coxie to their wonderful living environment of the intestines. Ugh. And this is where they grow up, realize their dreams, <laughs> fall in love, get married, and uh, lay more eggs. Isn't that a lovely little life for the coxie? Yeah. So when the coxie lay more eggs, those travel out the bird in the poop to infect other chickens. And the ones that are alive stay in the intestines. They cause all of the cilia to be uh, sloughed off. This starts to create a lot of damage to the intestines of your bird. Mm -hmm. Where they normally were able to absorb nutrients, they can't do it anymore. Yeah. So not only is it very painful to your chicken, but they're actually going to eventually stop eating because they're not getting any nutrition from their food. They're in pain and they're just going to call it quits. Uh, once a certain amount of damage occurs to the intestines, it doesn't matter how much they eat because the intestines have lost the ability to absorb the nutrients from their food. Now, the good news is that Coxie are species-specific. Right. That doesn't... Your chicken's coxie cannot infect your dog, which is good news for us. Because I got to tell you, there is nothing <laughs> more our dogs like than when we move the coops <laughs> and they get to have a buffet of chicken poop. Yeah. I start to wonder if they eat more chicken poop or dog food. <laughs> That's why we don't let our dogs lick our face, by the way. <laughs> now, the good thing is the coxie in the chicken poop that the dogs eat cannot give them coccidiosis, nor when they lick our face, can they give us coccidiosis. You don't have to worry about coxie transferring from your chicken to your cat, dog, you, your children, turkeys, and it works in the reverse. Mm -hmm. uh, if a dog, cat, uh, turkey, or wild duck has coccidiosis, you don't have to worry about them giving it to your chickens. Right. Now, that being said, there are still nine varieties of coxie out there that can infect chickens. So that is the insidiousness that is coccidiosis. Jerks. All right. So on the disease front, I always like to talk about prevention first. Mm -hmm. Because your world will be a lot easier if you can avoid coccidiosis in the first place. Right. Absolutely. Now, the most common way that people prevent coccidiosis in their chickens is to use medicated starter grower feed when they first get their chicks. Mm -hmm. Now, we have always used medicated feed. Uh, we were given that advice when we first picked up our first batch of chicks. Use medicated feed. We weren't told why. We just did it because we had no knowledge about anything. So It keeps the chicks from getting sick. Well, yeah, that's all we heard. We're like, well, we don't want sick chicks. And I think most people don't know why they're using a medicated feed. They just think, well, medicated will keep them from getting sick, and that's good, right? Well, there's only one thing medicated feed does. It doesn't protect a, against a bunch of other illnesses. The only thing it does is it slows down the growth of coxie in the intestines of your chicken. 
it doesn't actually kill them off, you know, across the board because that would not be helpful. In order for chickens to develop their own natural resistance, they have to have exposure to some coxie. If you were able to create this perfectly clean environment where they didn't have any exposure, they couldn't develop the resistance, which means anytime down the road when they get it, there's a good chance that they're going to get very sick and die from it. So the medicated feed, all it does is slow down the growth so that the chicken can develop the resistance to coccidiosis before it gets overwhelmed and dies from it. And the way it does this is through a drug called amprolium. And what amprolium does is kind of like a little bit of a trick. It doesn't work in the same way you think of drugs, like it's not an antibiotic. What it does is basically it looks an awful lot to little critters like thiamine. So the coxi that are in the intestines that eat the amprolium instead of thiamine, they actually die. It's like the most deadly masquerade party ever. <laughs> I love it. It's like, hi, I'm a friendly little vitamin. No, I'm not. I'm here to kill you. Now, if you didn't want to use medicated feed, another route you could take is to get your chick vaccinated. Right. Now, this is just slightly different where medicated feed works on giving them a drug that slows down the coxie. The way the vaccine works is basically you're introducing eggs from the coxie into your bird really early. Just a small amount, not as much as they would get from poop, just a tiny amount so that there is some exposure and it begins the bird working on that that resistance. I don't like the word immunity, by the way. Yeah. Everybody always uses the word immunity, and that may be actually correct, mm -hmm. but I just don't like that word. Well, it gives out that false sense of security, like, well, my bird's immune now. Yeah, which means oh, they can never get this, right? Mm -hmm. uh, false. Well, you think about when kids get vaccines, you know, they're actually introduced with a small part of the disease you're trying to prevent. But then, you know, you need booster shots. It's right. not something where you get a shot once and you don't need it again. Yeah. So, I mean, uh, scientifically, that may be correct, but I'm actually going to use the word resistance in place of immunity just because, I, again, I think the immunity gives that false sense of security mm -hmm. that you're done and you're good for life. So, basically, those are the two ways. You can either put your birds on medicated feed and that uses amprolium to slow down the, the growth of the coxie in their system before it kills them, or you can have them vaccinated, which just introduces a tiny amount to get them working on that resistance to coccidiosis early. Now, what's cool is a lot of hatcheries do offer this vaccine. So if you're ordering from an online hatchery, that's one of the things you can pay a little extra for, and they take care of it themselves. Or uh, let's say you're hatching out a lot of baby chicks, you could buy this vaccine yourself. And the good part is it's not really difficult to do either. If you think vaccine, we automatically jump to injection. Yeah, tiny little chicken needle. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, you say, hey, you can vaccinate your birds at home. I am not injecting my, you know, I'm not sticking a needle in all my little baby chicks. Mm -mm. Well, rest assured, that's not how it's done. Basically, you'll mix up a liquid and sprinkle it on their food and then they'll eat it. That's how they get the vaccine. Super easy. Uh, those are two methods. You don't want to make the mistake of trying to do both methods because you think that would be twice as much protection. Mm -hmm. It's actually counterproductive. Yeah, if you think about it, the way the vaccine works is that it introduces a little bit of coxie into their system. And the way the medicated feed works is it kills coxie. <laughs> so if you have the birds vaccinated and then you give them medicated feed, you are just killing the vaccine. Mm -hmm. 
they will still have the benefit of being on medicated feed, but don't feed them that for like three days and think I can switch to non-medicated now. The vaccine is gone after you feed them the medicated feed. Right. You pretty much wasted that vaccine money. Yeah. And it's not that your birds are, you know, really out of luck. As long as you keep them on the medicated feed, it'd be fine. But um, yeah, you just <laughs> you just wasted a lot of time or effort or money on the vaccine. Okay. Now with medicated feed being so available... And it doesn't cost any more than non-medicated feed, which you're going to have to buy for your bird anyway. That's right. Why would you do the vaccine? What are some advantages to going the vaccination route rather than the medicated feed route? For one thing, we have the phenomenon of superbugs. Isn't that lovely? Sounds like a Saturday morning cartoon. <laughs> but actually, pretty much everybody's aware of this, I think, now. There's been so much talk over the last year about how... All the bacteria in our environment is becoming more resistant to the antibiotics we use on ourselves and they're just getting overused. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of the same way with the drug amprolium and the coxy. Amprolium has been used for many, many decades. Yeah. And there are coxy that are developing an immunity to the amprolium and therefore you can give your birds medicated feed and they can still succumb to coccidiosis if they bump into one of these strains of superbugs. So that's one situation where the vaccine would be better for your birds than using the medicated feed. Now, the question about that is, how likely is it for you to run into one of the superbug strains, especially just in your backyard? I don't know. If you live on a piece of property that used to be used as a chicken farm, well, then there's probably a better chance of that because there are birds living there that have been constantly exposed to amprolium. But if you're on a piece of land that's never raised chickens before, somehow I doubt that the, those super strains are going to be the ones that have taken up residence in your backyard. Yeah, and we've always just gone the medicated feed route. Uh, we know with our property, the... Two residents before us never had chickens, and before that, it was a peanut farm. So not a whole lot of chickens probably grazing the peanut farm. <laughs> so we don't really spend the extra money on the vaccine. We just kind of go the, the medicated route and haven't had a problem so far. Now, one downside to the vaccination is the fact that because you are giving them this little baby dose of coxie, there is a slight chance that some of your birds can develop coccidiosis just from the vaccination. And if that's the case, they will most likely die. But they say it's a pretty rare possibility. I can't give you an idea how likely it is because, again, we've never done the vaccination. I think it's kind of like, you know, those commercials on TV for drugs now. And they have to go through the 7,000 <laughs> things that may happen that are even so much worse than what you're trying to prevent. Now, in this case death is pretty bad. But I, I kind of have a feeling it's one of those uh, disclaimers they just have to put in there because you really don't hear about it um, when someone's had their chicks vaccinated that they die very often at all. But there are some common misconceptions about this whole thing. And there were some that we actually subscribed to and until we started doing research for this, uh, believed. And one of those is kind of the one and done philosophy. Yes, it is commonly believed that if you raise your chicks on medicated feed for the appropriate amount of time, they will develop their resistance or the immunity to 
coccidiosis, and then they can never get it because they're immune from here on out. That's right. That is totally false. Yeah. No idea. I was shocked by that. And that's, again, that's why I'm switching to the word resistant. They develop a resistance to it, but they have to be continually re-exposed to coccy in their environment for the rest of their lives in order to maintain that resistance. Mm-hmm. If you have your chickens and, you know, they, you raise them on medicated feed, they go out of the yard for a while, you suddenly put them in a pure environment where they're not exposed to their poo anymore. Uh, after a period of time, they will lose their resistance. Now you throw them out in the backyard, they are just as susceptible as if they had no protection whatsoever because they basically don't. Now, I'm not saying if you bring your chicken into the house overnight, I don't know why you do that, but there's something really good on TV and you thought your chicken would like it. Mm-hmm. You know, you let the chicken sleep in the house overnight and then you put her back out in the yard. She lost her resistance. It doesn't happen that fast. Right. But it's not a lifetime thing either. Mm-hmm. So keep that in mind. Uh, resistance is not forever. Now, another misconception is that all coccidiosis is the same and there's one resistance for coccidiosis. And that's false. Right. Of course it is. Otherwise, it'd be really stupid for it to show up on the common misconceptions list. <laughs> well, the thing is, remember we talked about those nine species of coxie? Yes, actually, I do. Good. I'm glad your medium-term memory is fine. <laughs> I am paying attention. Your chicken develops a resistance to each of those nine species separately, which means if it encounters coxie type 1, 2, and 3, it never developed a resistance to the other six varieties. That blew my mind. Yeah. I was like, are you kidding me? So my birds could be just fine. And then somehow a new strain is introduced and boom, they've got it. Yeah. It would be as if they never had resistance whatsoever. And you'd be very confused because, you know, I never heard this before. Mm-hmm. Never, ever, 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 ever. This is totally new information to me. This is the one that blew my mind and convinced me we need to do an episode. Right. Of those nine species, only five of them are sort of common. Mm-hmm. You know, four of them are just very rare, exceedingly rare. But even if you take those five, the chances of your bird bumping into all five of those in your backyard is pretty slim. Right. And if that's the only place your birds ever live, well, that's fine. Those are the ones that live in your environment. Mm-hmm. And they develop that resistance and they've learned to kind of cohabitate. As we talk about the rest of these preventative measures, you need to understand both of those things. Mm-hmm. You need to understand the resistance is not forever and the fact that the resistance is based on the species they've come in contact with. So now that you have that in your brains, let's talk about the other preventative measures. These are things we've talked about before. When you get baby chicks, you want to keep your brooders clean. And we've always said, you know, don't let it get overwhelmed with poop. And it's because of the coccidiosis. But you also don't want to keep your brooder too clean. Now, I can just hear your mother going, what do you mean too clean? There's no such thing as too clean. (laughs) (laughs) Because your mom is the ultimate, like, Mrs. Clean. Are you talking about the listener's moms or are you talking about my mom? I'm actually going after your mom on this one. Oh. (laughs) <laughs> yes. She has a thing about poo on food. Hmm. <laughs> what a weirdo. <laughs> yeah, how strange. So all that to say, some poo, good. More poo, bad. In other words, don't go by my buffet philosophy of some is good, more is better, even more is even better. <laughs> yeah. You got to strike a balance with poo. Mm-hmm. Not perfectly clean, not perfectly filthy. All right. And so- again, because... 
Your chicks need that exposure. They need some exposure. I mean, you've all heard the expression, cleanliness is next to godliness. Yeah. I think it's appropriate for baby chicks. It may have been written for baby chicks. Really? Yes, because if you keep your brooder too clean, they will get coccidiosis and die, and they will meet God. <laughs> so they really are next to godliness. <laughs> yes. Cleanliness is next to godliness. If you keep it too clean, your chickens will meet God very soon. Mm -hmm. All right. Now, I don't want to get all the emails and all the posts here about, you know, chickens don't go to heaven because in my heaven, chickens are there. In mine, they're definitely not. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I'm raising chickens here. So I don't have to see them later. <laughs> oh, one of us is going to be very surprised. As usual, one of us is going to be very delighted and the other will be very angry. <laughs> now, one last thing to consider while you're raising your baby chicks is that if you do go the vaccine route, it's not a bad idea to put probiotics in their water. Uh, you can get those easily from the little farm stores. You know, they mm -hmm. have the little packets. Yeah. And we do this anyway, but um, the vaccine people say it's probably a good idea. It's sort of boost their immune system a little bit, and helps them deal with the disease that you're trying to give them with the vaccine. Mm -hmm, absolutely. Okay, so those have all been preventative measures for baby chicks. Now let's talk about adult chickens. Okay, the first rule for trying to help your adult birds avoid coccidiosis is, even though they've developed a resistance, don't try and push it too far. Mm -hmm. Don't let the poop build up in their living area so much that all you can see is their head sticking out of the top of the poop, okay? Ugh, gross. Because, <laughs> first of all, they can get coccidiosis. Second of all, it makes their feathers look really nasty. Oh. <laughs> you don't want your birds exposed to so much poop. Some, mm -hmm. yes. Too much, no. Even when they're adults. So the first thing you want to do is stick to those rules of thumb regarding their living space. The rules of thumb are four square feet per bird in the coop and 10 square feet per bird in the run. If you stick to that, you're okay. But if you say, I'm just going to cut that in half, I think my birds will be fine. Okay, they may be okay living with each other, that cramped, but now, you know, you've got 10 chickens worth of poop in a five chickens amount of space. Right. Now, buildup of poop is, is a lot harder to manage in a stationary coop than a chicken tractor, which is why I love that you build chicken tractors. <laughs> I gotta tell you, I think I probably would have been done with chickens long before <laughs> this if we had stationary coops that I was having to clean out constantly. That is not my favorite part of the job. So the fact that ours are movable and you just kinda go, ah, looks kinda messy in there. Let's move it over a couple feet. And that's it. There's no more cleaning. There's no nothing. It's just dirty, two feet clean. I love that. You didn't have to go in and scoop out all the poop and clean it out, but uh, now you have to wipe it off the tires of the golf cart because after you move the coop, you're driving through it. Yeah, probably. I do drive <laughs> all around the yard and uh, other than dog poop, I'm sure that's uh, the second most amount of poop we have on the tires. But now we've learned you can clean the wheels on the golf cart by basically skidding them up the side of the coop itself. That's one way. <laughs> so for Chicken tractors, pretty darn easy to keep the buildup of poop down. You just move it. Uh, stationary coops, it's going to be a little more difficult because you're going to have to clean it more often. You're going to have to judge when that line has been crossed. Now, the second thing you want to think about in terms of the adult birds is biosecurity. Oh, one of our favorite topics. What are the odds that there was going to be any topic we could discuss where biosecurity doesn't come up? Yeah, so far I don't think there's been any. <laughs> 
The thing with biosecurity is a couple rules. One, don't bring new birds into an existing flock. Mm -hmm. Don't go out and find some birds on Craigslist and go, that one's really pretty. I think it would look really nice in my flock. Mm -hmm. And this goes beyond the normal warnings of they could have a disease. It's not about whether they have a disease. These birds, they have coxie living in their intestines, just like your birds do. Mm -hmm. Now they've developed a resistance to them. But where they grew up, assuming they're an adult bird, wherever they spent their youth, Mm -hmm. wherever they spent their childhood... There's a chance that they have different coxie strains living there that you have in your backyard. Right. So of those five or six really common uh, varieties, maybe your birds developed a resistance to three. And that other bird is resistant to the same three, but also had a fourth. Mm. Well, when that bird comes to your property, they poop. And that poop is going to be eggs of coxie of that fourth strain. And your birds are not immune to that or not resistant to that. Right. So now they ingest it, they get in their system, and they've been fine forever, but they're not resistant to that one strain of coxie you brought in. It's just as if they never had protection whatsoever. Right. And they get coccidiosis, and you're like, I don't understand. They were on medicated feed. They've had re-exposure constantly, but it's that new bird you brought in. It's just not worth the risk. Well, and the other thing is, you know, we always say, don't bring in outside birds. But if you do... Make sure you quarantine them. Mm -hmm. I am not a vet, but I believe that a quarantine will not help you in this situation. Right. The purpose of a quarantine is you bring in a new bird, you isolate it for 30 days. The stress of being moved and isolated will knock down their immune system. Any diseases in them will come to the surface. Well, they're not really carrying a disease. Right. They don't have a disease. They're carrying a parasite. In very tiny amounts because they're they're resistant to it. Right. But they're carrying a very tiny parasite living in their system. And so there's nothing to come to the surface and make you to give you a warning flag and saying, oh, my gosh, they have something. Mm-hmm. And now they pass the quarantine just fine. You put them in the coop and they poop out those rare uh, uh, coxie that your birds haven't developed a resistance to yet. And now they get sick. So this isn't even something a quarantine can fix. Now, the other part of biosecurity that's important here is don't go visit other flocks Mm -hmm. because we're talking about stuff that lives in poo and you know you can't go walking through a chicken coop without getting poo on your shoe. And if they've got movable chicken tractors like us, our chicken tractor has probably, since we at one time had nine in operation, there has been a tractor on every inch of this property. So even though there's not one maybe there now, you go walking through a part of our yard, there was at one time, and your shoes are magnets for poo. Right. And that is a super easy way uh, to track it back to your flock. You walk through somebody's yard, you go back to your house, you walk into your coop to grab the eggs or to fill the water feeder, and guess what? You've deposited that little poo from your shoe into your coop. And like Don said with the new birds, if it's a new strain that your chickens haven't been exposed to, boom, now they have. So don't go visit other flocks. So what about when we go to Schmachter Supply? (laughs) We're wearing shoes that we wore walking through our yard. You walk through the store. Um, I got to imagine other people wore their shoes that they were walking through their yard in. You can't tell me there's not 
who on the floor there that you could possibly pick up and then bring home. I mean, I I know maybe it's a slim chance, but that could happen. It's possible. It's not, I'm not saying it's likely, but you know, you are in a place that other chicken keepers are walking around and it's, it's definitely a possibility. I had never thought of that before, but I think I really need to get a lot more strict with my shoes. You know, we've talked about this in the past, you know, always wear the same shoes in your coop and then change them. Don't go walking through your house in them, you know, that kind of thing. But I really need to have like an off the property pair of shoes and an on the property pair of shoes. I just, I'm starting to take that a lot more seriously after doing a lot of study in this. Well, I've been doing that for years. I have one, I always have one set of sneakers that's actually in a good enough condition for me to go out in public in. <laughs> oh, so you just have, and then, I have shoes. and then I have six pair of sneakers that are out in the garage mm-hmm. and that only get worn when I go work in the yard. See, I thought you were going to say you have your nice outside shoes outside of the property and then you just wear bare feet everywhere else. Well, that too. Sometimes <laughs> I don't wear shoes at all in the yard. And that's gross. <laughs> and I tell you, that's not perfect either because as many times I'm working in the yard, I go to use the truck. Mm. So I'm wearing those yard shoes that are covered in chicken poo, I get in the truck and I drive around, I go park the truck because I'm done with my errands, I go inside, I shower, I change, we're going to go in public, well, I get back in the same truck and my feet are sitting on the same floor mat that the uh, shoes that had chicken poo on them are sitting on. Yeah, so you're now contaminating your good shoes. I mean, so it's sort of hard to like nail this down to, you know, you're not going to, you're not going to be able to seal your property like outbreak and um, make it absolutely impervious to anything from the outside but because especially if you start chasing down all the possibilities you'll just Mm. tell yourself well there's no point why bother but the reality is okay some of those things like going to tractor supply uh me wearing the shoes around the backyard okay those are slimmer possibilities so you know don't get obsessed with those is is it possible that they can still get in yes but you know focus on the big things Mm -hmm. not visiting other people's flocks And, you know, it's a good idea to maybe have two sets of shoes, one for the flock and one for, you know, public. And don't bring in outside birds. If you can follow those three rules, I think you've knocked down your chances of bringing in a new strain of coccidiosis by like 80%. Yeah, that's true. You don't want to be crippled by all the what ifs, but um, you just want to be mindful. Okay, so those are basically some easy prevention measures you can take. Now, let's say something bad happens, something slipped through the cracks, and one of your birds is starting to get sick. How would you identify this is coccidiosis? The only real true way to diagnose uh, coccidiosis is to take your bird to the vet, and they'll do a fecal float test. And that's the only way you can absolutely verify that's what you're dealing with. But there are a number of symptoms that would lead you to believe that I strongly think this is coccidiosis mm-hmm. when taken all together. Right. Uh, one of the most common things that people associate with coccidiosis is blood in the poo. Yeah. And that is a big tip off. That is a big indication that coccidiosis is in the top two or three options of uh, what you're dealing with. Mm-hmm. The only problem with that is that a few of those five common strains of coxy actually do not attack the intestines in a way that causes blood. So, Yes, if there's blood in the poo, it may be this strain of coccidiosis, that strain, but there are a couple that don't cause any at all. Just because there's not blood in the poo doesn't mean you're not dealing with coccidiosis. You know, people have become so obsessed about the blood in the poo part Mm -hmm. that you can have coccidiosis and 
People say, well, no, but there's no blood in the poo, so it's not. Well, that's not true. It's not an absolute that there must be blood in the poo. Right. Another indication is diarrhea, but that can happen for a lot of reasons. But if you have diarrhea that's yellow and frothy or Mm -hmm. foamy, uh, that's another good, strong indication that you're dealing with coccidiosis. Mm -hmm. One of the things we mentioned that coccidiosis does is it prevents your bird from absorbing nutrients. So the result of that is your bird is going to lose a lot of weight. Now, with chickens, they got so many feathers. Sometimes it's hard to notice by just physically looking at them. That's another one of the reasons why handling your birds a lot, doing your monthly external parasite checks, just being around your chickens, picking them up, that's how you're going to tell if they've lost weight. Uh, We had a chicken that got sick once, and the way we found out is we picked her up and went, oh my God, she's like skin and bones, light as a feather. There's a big problem here. Other things you might notice if they have coccidiosis are I'll just kind of lump together into the category of odd behaviors. Mm -hmm. Um, Things like seems to be kind of droopy compared to the other ones. You know, they're all nice and active. She usually is, but now she's just kind of standing around and not really participating. Yeah, like when you go to try and uh, catch them, they usually play the keep away game. (laughs) This, if she just stands there and lets you pick her up, there is probably a problem. Yeah, if you let all the others out of the coop and they're all playing around the yard, but she's just staying there in the coop, doesn't seem interested in going outside, Mm. that's another indication that's just odd. Right. One thing this disease tends to do is it makes them not really interested in eating or drinking anymore. I think, you know, they're eating all the time. They're not capable of absorbing the nutrients. I think at some point they just give up and go, eh, what's the point? Right. And it's painful. So maybe they associate the eating with what's causing their pain. And it's like, why bother? There's a few odd things you might notice that really might stand out. For instance, chicken standing around on one leg like a flamingo. That is pretty odd. That's pretty odd. That will probably get your attention because that's just not normal. Mm-hmm. So these things really emphasize the need for you to observe your birds on a regular basis mm-hmm. because it's really hard to pick out what is unusual if you don't know what is usual. That's very true. And so when you watch your birds a lot, you'll begin to understand what is normal behaviors for them. And then those things that aren't normal, they'll actually stick out to you pretty well. Mm -hmm. And the other thing is you want to do this often enough that you will identify it quickly. Mm -hmm. Now with baby chicks, uh, one of the biggest ways to tell is they're just not growing. You know, when you get to week five or six, there's a noticeable size difference. But early on, those first couple of weeks, if one is not advancing as fast as the others, there's a problem. Mm-hmm. Okay, so let's say you've either confirmed with a vet that you have coccidiosis in your flock, or there's just enough symptoms here that you've decided, I'm going to treat the birds as if they have coccidiosis, and that's going to be my treatment plan. What do you do? Well, first thing is, you don't wait. Uh, this is a very fast-moving disease. You can go from no symptoms to five to seven days later showing symptoms, and then two days after that, they're dead. I mean, this is quick. This is not something that takes months and months and months to build up. It it can wipe out your chicken in a very short period of time. Well, yeah, I, the, the, the fact that by the time you see the symptoms, this bird's already been dealing with this for about a week. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, the symptoms of weight loss, well, that's not the first thing. That's at the end stage. Right. So, yeah, you don't want to wait. If you notice this, it's not time to get procrastination disease, (laughs) and it's not 
Time to take a wait-and-see attitude. If you suspect you have coccidiosis, it's time to act on it. Now, again, you can take your uh, chicken to the vet, and the vet will give you a course of action, and the most likely thing they'll tell you is to put them on a drug called amprolium. And if that sounds familiar, it's because that's the exact same uh, substance that's in the medicated feed. Yeah, and it's pretty simple to administer. It comes in either liquid or powder, and it's going to go right in their drinking water. Not complicated. And you're going to treat the entire flock. You know, I have someone that I know that loves sharing their antibiotics. And that's a big, big, big no-no. And it's always crazy because she'll give leftover antibiotics to somebody and it's not the full course of treatment. So it's actually doing more harm than good if someone takes it. Um, and it, Plus they didn't take their full course. Right. So whatever they have is going to come back full force. So the reason I say that is when you are treating your chickens for things, any problem, follow the instructions on the medication or from the vet and do it for the time period they say. There is a reason they give those time periods. And usually it's because that's what it takes to knock it out. You could have your birds on this medicine for, let's say, three days. And they all start looking better. Do the full treatment. Do the five to seven days that most of these recommend. Um, don't stop short because you could really do more harm than good. Do you want to name this person that does this? No, I don't. I want to protect them. <laughs> but every time I hear her say, oh, I gave my son uh, those four antibiotic pills I had left over, I always like start screaming at her like, are you kidding me? Like, you don't even know that he needs antibiotics. You don't even know what the problem is. You don't know if they were the right antibiotics. And he's only got four. So you're probably going to make him worse. Do you <laughs> want this person to change their behavior? <laughs> It does not seem, though, that she's going to because... That's not the question I asked. Oh, okay. Yes, I would love her to change her behavior. Maybe what we need is a good old-fashioned public shaming. Oh, shame. <laughs> I don't know. That kind of stuff drives me nuts. It's like, I, I don't understand the point of, I'm going to take this medicine, but I'm not going to take it the way you're supposed to. You're talking about Sally, aren't you? I don't even know a Sally. Oh, Lucy? No. You're not going to guess. I'm not going to tell you. I'm going to protect her. <laughs> and I'm not protecting the innocent. She's very, very guilty. But I'm just saying, I, I, it just, if you're going to go the route of doing a medicine, do it right. You do that shame voice one more time. Shame. <laughs> it reminds me of like the Christmas Carol, the ghost <laughs> of Christmas past or something. Okay, I got off on a little bit of a tangent. Maybe I had a suppressed issue that I didn't realize, but just came to the surface. I think we're going to make that a new segment. Oh, yeah? Every week. What? Susie on a tangent. Again. <laughs> well, tacking onto that note, you don't... Uh, keep in mind, you're buying this stuff in bulk. It's not really, you know, I got a course of treatment, and as long as I go through the bottle, I've kind of finished it. Mm -hmm. You're buying these products in bulk, so you're actually buying a lot more than you can use. So not only follow the instructions on the minimum side, but if it says, like, five to seven days, don't stop at day 68. Like, right. seven is seven. Just do it for what is recommended. Right. There are other drugs available that are not amprolium. There is another drug called sulfa dimethoxine, 
The reason people don't usually start with that one is it's a little less forgiving in terms of the usage. You really want to get the dosage correct and you want to be very accurate about its use in order to do it correctly. So amprolium is a lot more forgiving. Mm-hmm. We say don't go short, don't go long. Longer is actually better than short and it won't really hurt them, but you just, in general, you don't want to go you'll keep your birds on stuff forever. Mm-hmm. So, you know, why would you use this drug? Well, if you use amprolium and that does not work, then you may want to use a dose of this. But again, I would start with amprolium just because it's a lot more forgiving. Now, if you've listened for any length of time, you will know that we talk about putting electrolytes in water, probiotics, vitamins, always have recommendations like that. Now, one of the shockers for me when we were doing this research is... Adding vitamins to a chicken's water that has coccidiosis is actually not a good thing. You would think, oh, they're sick. Like when Don has a cold, I give him vitamin C and zinc and all these things to help make the cold shorter. Coccidiosis is a unique case because the amprolium, which is your go-to drug, we said before, it mimics thiamine. Mm-hmm. the coxie in their system think it's thiamine and they eat that instead of actual thiamine and then they die. Well, if you start giving them multivitamins which contain thiamine, you're introducing a lot more thiamine into their system which gives the coxie more food and less poison. Mm-hmm. So you can sort of uh, dilute the effect of the amprolium. You're not going to totally negate it, but you're going to like dilute its effect a little bit. So not a great idea there. Right. Now, one vitamin that is helpful is vitamin E. So if you get just a water-soluble vitamin E supplement, they can get that and it does shorten the length of the disease. So that's the only one that I read about that does anything in the way of helping your bird um, with this disease. Okay. So I think we have pretty well covered the prevention, diagnosis, and treatment of coccidiosis. I would say we beat that dead horse. (laughs) Lately, we don't usually like to go on these marathon topics through an entire episode, but I just think this was really an important one. Mm -hmm. Even we had some misconceptions about it, and I'm glad we did some more research and found out some things we didn't know before. Right, absolutely. This has changed. It doesn't really change our practices. We were doing all these, but I understand them better. Mm -hmm. All right, so now that we spent the entire episode on something so over-the-top serious, maybe next time we could be just totally goofballs from start to finish to balance it out. I don't know if it's uh, totally from start to finish, but we'll try and make the next episode a little more lighthearted. Well, as always, thank you for listening. If you like the show, consider going to iTunes and giving us a really nice rating over there. Also, make sure you tell a friend to get them listening. And if you want to see the show notes for this episode, go to onlinechickenschool.com slash the number 67. Well, that's all for today. Talk to you next time. You've been listening to the Online Chicken School podcast. Look for us on the web at onlinechickenschool.com.